Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast, the space where we explore common misunderstandings of how life works, allowing us to gain new perspectives on health, wealth, relationships, and much more. Life doesn't have to be hard work. It can be a flowing collection of experiences if we learn some simple truths about how our experience is created. Through this understanding, we realize that at a fundamental level, we are all already whole and perfect. Okay, we're live. Hi, Rohini. Welcome to Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast again for the second time. (laughs) Thank you for having me back. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a very different conversation to the one. It must have been five four years ago I don't know when we last did one um yeah and it was um the blog post that you wrote I I don't remember the name of it you know it's like but I can put it in the notes you know for the podcast so people can can find it that really triggered my interest in doing a recording with you and because I know we both were part of or are part of I don't know what you call yourself now it's kind of like but I remember you wrote in the in the blog that you can't say that you're purely a three principles practitioner or, or teacher or the words that you use and I, and it really caught my attention because i went through that journey myself of feeling uh feeling torn and kind of and and constricted within this framework of a concept that i was i'd noticed myself that i was repeating things that i would start to question were they actually true and was it my direct experience or was it because other people said it and and mm-hmm. many of other people said it and and i was fearful of breaking out of this uh concept that i'd been caught up in you know so um and perhaps a few years ago i think i can't remember at what point in fact the three principles gave me a beautiful awakening experience you know i I certainly had a a a real uh, change in perspective a a real realization of myself and a lot of the causes of my own suffering but what happened for me and this is why i thought relationships would be a great subject for us today was because um love or a loving relationship found me you know a few years into my uh experience with the three principles and um I started noticing a lot of triggers, a lot of reactions, you know, and it was like, I hadn't had them before. They just weren't there, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was like life had brought me this gift of a relationship that was full of the very thing that I'd longed for my whole life, but had run away from, you know, it's like, I didn't realize that I'd picked loveless relationships for their safety and for the fact that they didn't trigger me and they didn't get me caught up in this, um, abandonment wound that I had you know because when I was five years old my dad was killed he went out and that was it you know and 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 it really took me to this place of looking at the at the nervous system what happens in the body and the intelligence of the nervous system how um when I was when I was faced with love you know when someone tried to love me that I shut down and ran away And it wasn't thinking, you know, it wasn't, oh, this is scary. Now I'm going to run away. It was just like a reactive thing that happened. My body tightened and closed and my chest felt tight. And it was like, and I just withdrew, you know, and I I ran away from it. So I was given this beautiful gift, you know, and, and, and at the time I, 
you know, I kept withdrawing and it, and it brought challenges, you know, and this, we went on this journey together, me and my girlfriend, and it's been a beautiful realization and learning, you know, and, uh, that's just where I'd love to start. You know, it's kind of, I, maybe something in there resonates for you, or you can just talk openly about that part of that journey for you and see where this conversation goes for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing how it's unfolded for you and what you experienced in your relationship, really being willing, it sounds like, to be in an open, authentic, vulnerable relationship. It's part of the learning curve, it seems, when we're willing to do that as humans, that our unresolved misunderstandings, perfect for this podcast and our consciousness, are going to arise. And I think relationships, romantic relationships, especially, but all relationships, but I think especially our intimate romantic relationships seem to be an incredible catalyst for revealing the blind spots that we have and can be incredible vehicles to help us integrate and really heal what has been unresolved within our own consciousness so that we can live in a more alive, expanded state. And that's been my experience in my relationship with Angus. And I think it shows up in our work all the time when we work with couples. And I think one of the, the challenges that comes up in relationships when that happens is, and I don't know how you experienced it, but I know, you know, when Angus and I um, first got together, which is a long time ago now, when I was in my 20s, and he you know, of course, there's the beginning of the relationship where there's um, a really clear state of mind. But then as soon as that shifted, I thought it was something wrong with the relationship. I mm-hmm. thought there was something wrong with me. I thought there was something wrong with him. And and so and then sort of took me down a very psychological path of trying to fix things, trying to change him, trying to change myself, trying to improve the relationship, which ultimately wasn't looking at what you so articulately put, what was really going on, which was that unresolved pain within myself Mm -hmm. that I hadn't um, really risked coming up against in the same way previously. And that the more uh, I connected, I became with him, the more open and vulnerable I came with him, the more that had me sort of fall into coping mechanisms that were trying to protect me from feeling those feelings of abandonment. And, you know, I had, um, you know, a loss in my life. My father didn't pass. He just recently passed, but he left when I was two and a half. And um, I never saw him again until my mid twenties. And so that was a a massive shock. And there was a lot of, uh, it was a pretty chaotic time, I think, in my life, uh, my early childhood. So all of that, the misunderstandings that I formed about myself Mm -hmm. uh, and how I cope with them, right? My misunderstanding that I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough. um, People are not going to stay with me if they really know me, see me. I'm, I'm responsible in some way. Like all these misunderstandings that a little girl can come up with trying to make sense of something that's so painful. And then not being able to handle the pain of that and going into the coping mechanisms of pleasing, being good, getting good grades, like anything to try and not feel what hurts or to not address that. And then, as you're saying, relationship comes along and we can't help but have that 
activated those memories activated and a lot of it is unconscious like you're saying it's not that we're consciously thinking this it, it it's happening without our conscious recognition of it or we might recognize it but we can't control it with our intellect mm. it's not something that is what we can think our way out of it's something that is visceral and powerful and that when we can really see that this is actually the opportunity and the gift, as you're saying, not something that means there's actually a problem. And I want to be really clear because sometimes people um, misunderstand what I'm saying when I say that this is an opportunity because some people will say, well, what are you saying? You should be in any relationship. Does that mean I should stay in an abusive relationship? And I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not... Um, saying that this is about being a doormat this is about uh putting up with your boundaries not being honored this is about really seeing that there's an opportunity within ourselves in relationship to allow ourselves to open to love more fully and in order to open to love not romantic love but the truth of love the the nature of who we are love that we are going to come up against our blind spots, we're going to come up against our misunderstandings, we're going to come up against everything that says that that is terrifying, because we don't want to get hurt in the way that we were hurt previously. Mm. And so it, it can be scary, it can be difficult, but that doesn't mean that it's not part of the expansion process. And I think that that's one of the things that can get misunderstood as part of spiritual awakening is thinking that it's always going to feel good thinking that it's all about peace and zen and you know beautiful feelings of bliss which i'm all for that let, let me tell you i'm not against that but it's not always going to feel that way and that doesn't mean that you're going in the wrong direction and i think when people understand that especially about intimate relationships it helps them to really see what's going on more clearly so that they're not blaming the other person for their experience and really having more compassion and care for what's really unfolding for ourselves and also for our partner, because typically there's also something going on for our partner along the same lines. I know for Angus and myself, he has his own sensitivities. He has his own misunderstandings. And if I was to get impatient, like even a, a slight level of impatient for him in the past could be very painful. And it would always look like that's because of how I was behaving. But really, it was because in his mind that was connected with I'm not lovable. She doesn't love me if she's critical, if she's impatient, if she's frustrated. I'm not lovable. And that's not my fault, right? That's his misunderstanding. But there's so, um, it happens so fast that it looks like the other person is causing the experience. And I remember how shocked I was, because for me, it was kind of similar. And that when Angus was like, he was, I was more covert in my anger. He was much more expressive when he was upset or frustrated. But I would always be so hurt and take it so personally. And the first time that he lost his temper with me, so on one level, he's losing his temper with me, it's personal. But in that moment, there was no pain or suffering because I felt compassion for him. And I had never felt that way before. 
I'd always, it was immediate. He said, whatever I felt pain, oh, obviously that pain is causing my suffering. But to be able to see that, oh, when I'm not gripped by that misunderstanding within myself, I have a completely different experience. It allows me to see him and to have compassion for him when he's not at his best. And that's what I think the evolution that's available to us is that as we deepen in our experience of that place of grounding within ourselves in love and in in that expanded state within ourselves, it becomes easier to have room for not only our humanity, but also the humanity of our partner so that there can be a safe space for us to navigate all of that and work it through. And again, I'm not condoning um, bad behavior. I'm not condoning um, sort of acting out. And I will acknowledge that I'm not always my best. Nobody that I know is perfect and that that's we're going to come up against that in relationship. And it touches on those old places of hurt that result from those misunderstandings that we made at that those really young, tender ages. And they can be incredibly painful. But in being with those experiences, it's the being present too that we gain insight and we start to not identify with those misunderstandings in the same way and gain freedom, greater freedom from them. Mm. I'm glad you shared that because, you know, I had a deja vu moment about our last podcast, you know. Was I saying the same thing? I remember that you did, you know, you said about having compassion for Angus when he got caught up. And at that time, I remember thinking, that's bullshit. Ah. No, it's kind of like, but I really see it now. You know, I just wasn't there then. You know, it's kind of like, I just couldn't get my head around how you could have conflict and, uh, and, and feel compassion for somebody because what I was in this place where I was caught up every time the other person got triggered, I got triggered by their yeah. trigger and it, es- it escalates. But now quite often it can happen where either I can be triggered and she can be completely compassionate and loving towards me yeah. and, or she can be triggered and I can just stay yeah. completely grounded, you know, and it's kind of like, it's such a, and, not every time, but quite often I have the experience of it. One of us being grounded, just being enough to bring the other yes. person back. You know, it's like, for me, my sensitivities quite often, I, I, I'm expressive on my anger or something that comes out. And it's kind of like, sometimes if she, if Elena just keeps quiet and just looks at me in the end, tears come for me, you know, it's kind of like, cause there's a lot of pain under there, you know, it's yes. kind of like, and I yes. don't even know that, but just the, mm-hmm. just the presence and the grounding of her just staying there and just looking at me going, what's going on? What's going on? It's kind of like, and then eventually it's like, oh, I can feel it. You know, it's kind of like, it just comes, yeah. comes and it's like, yeah. um, that's and, the and gift, we, right? That's what you that, said. That's, about the, being the gift. Yeah, that's the gift. And would you say that that ability to be with yourself in that way, like my experience of that is when I'm able to be with myself in that way and you get to the vulnerability, you get to the tears or, or whatever is underneath that, that 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 that's where greater clarity comes in in the seeing what's really true versus what you thought was true about yourself. Like the the pain is not coming from anything real. It's coming from the the mistake in your own mind that is absolutely not true. Mm. Yeah. 
And I feel like our, our relationship has gone deeper, you know, it's like in this kind of dance thing, you know, where at first I, w I was withdrawing from the love, you know, I was feeling unsafe and then it's like, and then it was like, okay, I'm in, you know, it's kind of like, and once I was in, I started to feel insecure, you know, it's kind of like, and then my insecurity became this thing, like you said, of something that I wanted to fix. Then it was like, I was just thinking one day and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm insecure. If we don't make that a problem, what's the yeah. issue with it you know it's kind of like yeah. i'm insecure i'm just being fucking insecure right now you know it's kind of that's what i'm doing it's kind of like yes. is, that, is that okay you know it's kind yeah. of like and then seeing that all right yeah that doesn't have to be a thing anymore yeah so I was just it loses its power yeah it was getting closer to myself and really being able to be that or my authentic self with whatever shit i've got from my past with whatever was created in those moments in my early years, you know, it's kind of like that's still with me, still plays out, you know? And I think that, that it's a beautiful container for healing that's happening now, mm -hmm. you know, because we mm -hmm. both get seen and, and this stuff gets uh, brought into the light, you know, where it dissolves when it's okay, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I had a thought. Let me see if I can grab it back because it, it's run away from me. So when you were when you were talking about um, being able to just allow it to to be with it, just to, like the insecurity when it's not a problem, like the insecurity isn't what creates the suffering. There's a certain experience that comes with it we that we might not like, mm -hmm. but it was what you were making it mean. Like I need to fix this. Why do you need to fix it? Because it means something. You don't want to have it. But when that goes, then it, it really is no big deal. Yeah. And there's room for you to be human. There's room for Elena, your partner, to be human with whatever shows up in that space. But I think that's so key because for many years, I misunderstood that, oh, I need to fix the insecurity, just like you did. And that creates so much suffering. And the freedom that's available when we realize, like, oh, actually, that is not what's needed at all. It's just simply being with it and realizing that it's not actually such a big deal to just be with it. Mm. I'm curious, like what's changed for you, if, if anything, like with this, like, I guess before I might have told myself it was just my thinking that was creating my insecurity and that I should just realize that. And once I realize it's just my thinking, then it will be unimportant, but I could never do that. It wasn't a mental mm. activity or a mm. process that I could go through. And it it's kind of where, the concepts stopped being useful to me and I started questioning what was really going on, you know, because I was very disembodied at that point, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like I was not in my body. I wasn't connected to myself. If anyone asked me, where do you feel anything? I would have said here upwards, you know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like, well, where do you feel this? Where do you feel that? I would be like, well, I don't know. I'm because I'm completely dissociated. You know, I'd been yeah. that way my whole life. But in recent years, I've done a lot of somatic investigations, a lot of, um somatic experiencing i don't know if you're familiar with peter mm -hmm. levine's kind of approach yeah. and like talking to the body and seeing where sensations and contractions are showing up and what the, all that stuff i've done a lot of that and it's really helped me reconnect to that and so what's different for you about if anything about kind of how you see that or how you work with that or in that way i think that there's definitely some differences um but i'll start with what's really the same and what I hear you saying is that it's the the being present to what's arising within us is all that's needed. 
And what you're also recognizing is that sometimes we're not able to be present, right? Sometimes the wisdom within us, that's too much to be present to it. And we, and we can't be present to everything. Nobody is, mm. but that it's so important though, to recognize that we can increase our capacity of presence. And, and the more we understand our safety, the more we understand who we really are, the easier it is to open to the full range of human experience. And, and I think I've always seen, I can't say I've always seen it. I think that, um, you know, for recent years, I've seen the health in the full range of our human experience. And I, and I always have tended to be a fairly emotional um, person and in touch with my feelings. And, and Angus might have said previously way too much in touch with my feelings, but I'd always judged that as a bad thing previously. And now I can really see the value in being able to access and hold space. And it, it I don't need to judge myself for that, that it's actually really helpful to let that energy just move through us as human beings. Like there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's all part of the intelligence of the design, whatever emotion we might be having. And and my, like I might've been more comfortable with feelings of sadness and less, less comfortable with feelings of anger. And that might've been where I would contract and it would come out in more sideways way. So it's not like I was always comfortable with every feeling, but but I think now one of the things that I'm getting more and more clear on is just to see the health in it all. And to see the wisdom is in just allowing it to move through and that there isn't anything that needs to be done with that. I think where there's difference, and this has evolved sort of through the work that I've been doing with clients and seeing what's been helpful. And so through our relationship work, one of the themes that came up significantly, especially in the couples you worked with that have been in long-term relationships, is differences in sexual arousal that were causing relationship conflict, difference in desire levels. So the area of sex was a very loaded subject, oftentimes for the couples we're working with. And and for some people, like enough for it to, you know, feel like the marriage or the relationship might be not able to maintain because of that difference. And, and I started to see that there was so much healing needed in this area. And stereotypically, I'm not saying it's always this way, but stereotypically, um, it was in heterosexual partners, it was often the woman having less uh, sexual desire than the man. And that was, um, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, repercussions arriving from that. And so I thought, you know, I really need to explore this. This is something that I have struggled with in the past and um angus took it very personally um when my arousal was not there for whatever reasons and it was difficult it was really challenging and you know we were you know early in our marriage and 30 i was in my 30s it wasn't really hormonal or anything like that at that point in time it was really emotional and it was difficult and so there was a something that i um, wanted to support other women navigate that. And I realized that the work that I was doing was helpful, but there were other modalities that I wanted to bring in. I did a somatic sex education program. I studied breath work. So I really, what you're talking about in terms of the embodied techniques, I uh, went on this um, course of study so that I could bring these elements into the work that I was doing with women to really support them in 
embodying themselves more fully and opening to their sexuality in ways that they wanted to and that were healthy and could help them come more alive. And so, so that was where I realized that I wanted to include other things. It just made sense. Hands-on work made sense to me. Breath work made sense to me. Um, and then I'll, I'll get into the next step about psych psychedelics, but um, so hands-on work, somatic work, breath work, all of that was really helpful to include that in the intensives that I was doing with women who were looking in that direction. And I realized that from a traditional three principles perspective, that would be called mixing modalities. And I wouldn't be able to call myself a three principles practitioner if I'm mixing modalities. And so, you know, okay, that's fine. I don't have to call myself a three principles practitioner, but I was following my own inner guidance. Hmm. I was following what seemed to be really supportive to my clients. And it, I couldn't deny that, right? It, it's like, I couldn't say that, well, I want to be, stay in this lane because that's the the way that gets the best results. Like it, it wasn't it. These other things were, were really helping. And insights, I still think that change comes through that realization of who we are, but there's many roads that take us to a deeper experience of the living truth within us. And, and I think it's about for myself being responsive to what I'm really called to do in service to supporting others with waking up. And I love that work. It's been, you know, I never would have thought of my, that I would be like a, a hands-on sex therapist. It's like, oh my goodness, that was not when I'm doing my master's degree thinking that's where it's going to go. But it's like such beautiful, vulnerable, healing work and it feels like it brings my therapeutic background the three principles understanding my love of yoga you know meditation breath all of that brings it all together and i get to play with all of the things that um that really um have inspired me over the years and still inspire me mm -hmm. and and then um when it comes to psychedelics i was someone and i think i said this in the article that I was not interested in psychedelics. I, I was someone who, um, you know, I didn't do drugs. Um, I met Angus after I graduated. I, mean, I was in college and we would maybe drink beer. I wasn't part of his nightlife style when he was a photographer having his heyday, whatever that was. And and then I really got involved in um, a yoga community and, and that was very kind of rigid and, you know, it's it's uh, ideas about all of that. And, and I think I say all of this in the article, actually, that another spiritual community that was very rigid, too. And then I read Michael Pollan's book. I don't know if you've read it, How to Change Your Mind. No, and know. he's a journalist and he wrote a book on psychedelics. And there was something in that book where I was reading the results with trauma that shook me out of my dogmatic viewpoint. And I said, wait a second, there's there's something here that seems incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. And from what I know about the field of psychiatry, there's not a lot on offer. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against medication, but it's pretty limited in what's mm -hmm. available in terms of psychiatric medication and the results 
Um, I read Michael Pollan's book. I started looking at the results that are being done from the MAPS Institute here in California, then looking at the research from Johns Hopkins and some of the others. And I'm like, these results are phenomenal. Like you don't see these kinds of results in pharmacological studies. And so that got me really curious. And I thought, well, you know, I need to have the experience myself. I'm not going to sort of embark on something without sort of having my own direct experience with it. And so, you know, a late psychonaut, that's my, I think it was around my 50th birthday. I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me see, you know, how this is going to unfold. And it was so funny. I was talking with someone about it and I didn't know, um, you know, where, how, what it was going to, you know, how it's going to unfold. And just as things happen, I was talking with someone and they said, well, you know, the um the director of the treatment center you used to work at, she's um she's a guide now. Like this is what she does. And I was like, oh no, I didn't know that. And so sort of that path opened up. And so that started my exploration with, and you know, I've mostly um had experience with psilocybin. I have uh, done an ayahuasca three-day ceremony, but my main experience is with psilocybin and I'm not, how can I say this? It's like everybody has to listen to their own guidance around this. It's not for everybody. And it's um, it's been incredibly pivotal and helpful in my life mm. in terms of an experiential, a deeper experiential recognition of what's what it is to have a quiet mind. I mean, I can't, I don't even know how to say it. Like that, that's very underestimating the experience. But but it's a it's a reference point that I think one of the the things that I thought as to how can this be valuable because you have the experience where you're under the influence and then you're not under the influence. Well, what's the point of that? Right. You have an experience that's going to come and go. How can that be any value? Because it, you don't stay in that state of mind. But there's an integration, just like any insight, there's an integration that happens that is changes changes me changes us and so when i started to to lean in that direction and and then actually um got trained as an underground guide here um you know angus sort of has been on that journey too and we have experienced uh, had experiences together and i think for me you know what we're talking about in terms of trauma that's what I really see an incredible value with the psychedelic experiences is in being able to soften the defenses that have arisen as a result of trauma so mm -hmm. that there's greater insight around them and freedom from them. And so that that's why I see it's um, been incredibly valuable in my life around that. And, and definitely not that, again, not that our relationship was struggling, but to see the deeper level of intimacy that's available as those defenses continue to fall away and soften over the years, not even thinking that's available at this point in time, but realizing, wow, there's even more. That's kind of cool. Mm. Yeah, I resonated with so much of that. I'm glad you said about um, following your own wisdom. I, I kept saying to myself, it's got to be the most important statement that I've heard in the three principles community, follow your own wisdom. You know, it's kind of like follow your own wisdom. I kept thinking about this. I kept going over it and going, follow your own wisdom. That means none of the stuff that is that's 
dogmatic that kind of suggests therapy is bad, uh, meditation is bad, you don't need it. Once you've found this, you don't need anything else. I was going through all this stuff and I was saying, yeah, but follow your own wisdom. That overrides everything, you know? And it was like, uh, I'd found this relationship and then I I did a lot of, started doing these somatic investigations and I found, like, my own experience was that just contractions in the body were holding beliefs. You know, it was almost like you could speak. I, I don't know if you're familiar with IFS. I did IFS and a somatic experiencing and compassionate inquiry. And I just did all of them, you know, and it's kind of like, and I found that there was so much, so many beliefs held just in the body's contractions. It's like you could communicate with parts, you know, in the IFS theory and, and find that they will communicate back with you and say what they're here for. And they're here to protect you, to keep you safe because uh, that was the second thing that really resonated with me. What you said was about the that it's all intelligence. You know, it's kind of like that the autonomic nervous system uh, found a way of protecting us at a point when there was no real cognitive thinking or way, when there was a level of adversity that was too much for the body. The body contracted, tightened, twisted in its own way to keep us safe that just stayed with us as a, as a way and now is triggered in relationships and it shows up. So it's a completely intelligent response of the body that just learned to keep us safe at a time when we didn't know how to do that exactly. uh, and i saw all that in the somatic stuff and the and the psychedelics and like you said the suffering of the defenses that then gets integrated and then when you've got a, a container such as a loving relationship where you can be vulnerable and you can be seen and you can get held by another person in those vulnerable moments there's such a beautiful uh, experience available there you know it's kind of like where it can all just unfold and come out not perfectly like you you know have many moments I had one this morning you know and it's funny because I got an email about lack of sleep and I'd got woken up after getting home from a flight at three o'clock I hadn't slept much and I woke up grumpy you know it's kind of like going fucking hell I've had no sleep and all this and I was pissed off and I had a couple of hours which is longer than I usually have of being caught up in it you know it's like but um, so yeah, I'm still very human, but I'm really soft with myself in being human. You know, it's okay. Yeah. It's like, I don't, yeah. I don't think too much about that. It's like, it doesn't mean nothing about me. And, and from all this stuff that I've done, all these different things like you, I just developed my own way where it's kind of like, I feel very confident and grounded in what I'm sharing with people and what I'm doing and that it doesn't have to be. I, I went to loads of uh, Rupert's retreats. I still go to Rupert's retreats and I love them. I think the medit sitting in silence has been great for me. I've done a lot of that. Um, the, all the somatic stuff and the three principle stuff, it's still, it all comes together for me. And I feel really free in that I can talk about any of this stuff and I don't have to, now I've broken out of that fear of coming out of that conceptual understanding. And, and now I'm very careful of not getting too much in this is the way you know this is the, the only way or the right way or the good way it's like all of it is just beneficial and like you have had some beautiful um vulnerable and intimate moments with clients and people and and stuff you know in this healing journey of sharing this stuff and seeing what's going on you know just just the noticing even over a video on, on a call with somebody noticing the when the, you know, the, the hands get twitchy or something, you know, or noticing somebody contracting and tightening and closing down, you know, and seeing, knowing because I've been on that journey myself, what's happening with the body in that moment. And, and often 
when it was happening for me before I went on this journey that I've been on now, I couldn't see it. I was just in my head, you know, it's kind of like, but now starting to see the wisdom of the body in this stuff and, and, tr and looking at trauma and being completely open to it feels like, uh, it just feels very, feels very pure, you know, the whole thing, that all of it's included, you know, it's like, yeah. and, and that's been good for me. Yeah, it's inclusive. I had a thought in terms of the the shift that I think is important to note because I think it was really great for me to have a period of not using any techniques, which, you know, the principles, you know, really was is very um, pure in that way of not using any other technique. Be and it was helpful because previously I was using techniques to reinforce my misunderstandings. They were getting co-opted by my ego mm. as I need to be fixed. And this, the power was, I saw the power in the technique. I saw the power as, um, you know, me needing to commit to whatever that was. And, and that ultimately just wore me out. But it was really beautiful to be able to come back to some of the things that I did previously without that agenda and to see the actual value when there is an understanding that it's always about connecting with that deepest part of ourselves, our true nature, and that the power is never going to be in the technique. The mm -hmm. power is not in the form, but there's many doorways, portals to having a deeper experience of what's real and unchanging within us. And so that it, it's, I, cause it's different. And I think that that is important to note because I did really burn myself out on so many different techniques and practices and, and things over the years. And yet it's a very different relationship that I have with them now. That's much, feels much freer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I was a psychotherapist for a long time before I found the principles and it was kind of like, and then when I found the principles, it was like, I dismissed psychotherapy, said oh, I've realized there's something much superior, you know, it's kind of like, and, and then I, now it just all fits, all of it, yeah. it's all okay, yeah. you know, meditation, yeah. uh, like you said, breath work, somatic stuff, psychotherapy, it all fits where it fits, you know, it's like, yeah. it's all, it's all okay, and um, there's something else you said, ah, that was it. Um, yeah, I still think it's the most important thing for somebody to know who comes to me suffering to, to come out of the story to see the creation of their own suffering and, and, and the gift of everything, you know, and to see the innate intelligence that's all playing out, you know, it's kind of like, because I think when you introduce trauma to somebody who's still lost in the story of themselves, it's like, it's just another rabbit hole, another, 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 another uh, label of suffering that they've probably received many of. And, and like seeing the futility of labels and techniques and so on, and, and just seeing and being able to show somebody or help them see, you know, like the intelligence of all of it to me. And it's how I wrote my book. It's not finished yet, but it's really about, you know, like seeing all the myths of the psychological world, not that they're bad, but it's just kind of seeing the futility of trying to fix what's not, yeah. not broken. Yeah. Seeing yeah. the intelligence of everything doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't dismiss it all. You can't spiritually bypass everything just by seeing that uh, it's all awareness or it's all thought, for example, you know, it still exists beyond that. But once you see that, you get a completely different perspective of what's going on. You come from a different place, you yeah. know, with with the experience of the body, you know, what's showing up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been really because you're talking about um, 
sort of psychotherapy, traditional psychology, it's been an interesting journey because our our youngest daughter was um, diagnosed as on the autism spectrum in her 1920s, around there. And it was really interesting because she was the one that advocated for the psychological testing. And I was not particularly um, pushing that, shall we say. It wasn't something that I initiated and it wasn't something that I was rushing toward because I was really concerned about the potential for pathologizing and just mm -hmm. limitation that might come from that. And when you know, we did it and she did receive, you know, several diagnoses through that process. But what was so powerful is I got to see how she was listening to her own wisdom and that having a better understanding of her experience through these labels was actually empowering for her and reassuring, not, it was the opposite of what my concerns were. And so it helped me to get humble and to really see, oh, I was being dogmatic. I was being rigid and I wasn't truly trusting her own wisdom in terms of what her path is and what she wants to do. And so again, what you're saying about um, welcome, seeing, seeing there's room for it all, it has been a humbling process for me in that because I, I too sort of um, can get judgmental and, um, you know, think that, there is one, there is a way or many ways, but not that one, you know, I'm open, but not to that one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait a second, that one too. Yeah. Direct experience, I guess, is what it's all come down to, right? Helping someone um, see that their own direct experience is really the the most important thing, you know, and whatever that is for them. And I, I don't know, you know, that's, yeah. I don't know. And whatever it is for you is kind of like, and and yeah, at times that challenges me, like like you in the way, you know, it's kind of like if it's going in a way that my my thing kicks in and goes, Oh no, that doesn't sound too good. You know, it's kind of Yes, like, exactly. That's not the way. It's like, oh, yeah. I guess it is. So it finds a it finds a sticky belief in me, you know, quite often me challenged and working with those people. But it that's beautiful too, you know. Just that in itself is a gift for me every time it happens, you know. Yeah, yeah. And for me, like one of my um, biggest things is to remember that I don't know, I really don't know. And that what we're pointing to in terms of the the bigger picture is a complete mystery that I can lean into, but I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm not the expert. I do have the willingness to open and to see whatever I'm graciously given to see and experience, but that's it. Yeah. How is it like in your, I guess you notice, you know, it's kind of like in your working with people with relationships with couples and so on. And, and now with your kind of more, I don't know what to call it. I don't want to say it's superior, just kind of like your different uh, understanding, you know, like you're more wider where everything's included. Like, what do you see with that, you know, for people like what, what's the difference in, in sort of the outcomes? So just, I don't want to get into statistics and outcomes, but like, yeah. what, what do you feel your felt sense of kind of like the difference? That's a great question because it's not that the necessarily the, 
the outcomes were not good previous to the inclusion yeah. of these other things. But I think there is a, a greater depth of experience that's open to during our time together, which really facilitates the the opening of the heart and the authentic expression and the safety to be vulnerable. So I would say that it, it it's in perhaps a I don't even want to say easier process, but there's it facilitates that in a different way. And there's perhaps a greater depth of that available. I mean, you don't really know because you can't compare it, but there's a, a beautiful depth that emerges. And then I have to say that the I've just been loving the um, women's the individual women's retreats that I'm doing. I, I really it just feels so um, fun to do them and really beautiful. So I'm glad that I opened myself up to one on one work as well as the couples work. It's not that I don't love the couples work, but I really, I think I was missing the mm. one-on-one work. And so I'm just loving being able to go in that direction and and really um, support women in that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm glad you said that about opening the heart more. And, and that's what I heard anyway. I don't know the exact mm-hmm. word you use, but that's how it feels for me. It feels more heartfelt, you know, and I feel more, it's, enabled me to be more connected and in that place with myself you know it's kind of like as well and and being um having the beautiful experience of sharing that you know with somebody it's kind of um it's been very healing for me and it's been very touching to see you know with other people and it feels it does feel deeper you know i don't like deeper deeper than what you know you could get into what does that actually mean you know it's kind of like but it it just feels that way that's my felt sense of it that's why i asked for your felt sense because it's like Sometimes words are a, uh, they're an impossible way to articulate something that's just just no just a knowing of something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, richer, deeper. It's like it's they're all relative, but there's something mm-hmm. in that that feels good. It feels right. Yeah, awesome. Well, we're coming towards an end. You know, I think it's been a a beautiful conversation. But um, if you've got like you want to share kind of what you're up to, what you're doing and that. So if anyone who listens to this is curious to speak to you more, you know, feel free to take a few minutes and, and talk about that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the best place to find out more is the rewilders.org, that link. And then really I'm focusing on the intensive work and some longer coaching packages that I do that include intensive. So I'm really interested in working with people that are interested in going deep whatever that means right just that really want to experience a more expanded state of living um you know we use the term rewilding so more aliveness in their life and really ready to let go of and heal the misunderstandings that create so much suffering and to do it in in a way that's really uh aligned with what works best for them individually so it's very specific to each person so that's what i'm having fun with these days awesome and i will put a link to that to your website on the podcast notes so people can find you so thank you very much for this conversation i'm sure people will find it enlightening (laughs) (laughs) well it's so great speaking with you jason thank you thank you